Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That is a very, very poor ball. But nonetheless, it's beautifully played. Look at David Warner. It means a lot. He's gone to 100. His 20th career ODR 100. His fifth against South Africa. And enjoyed by his partner, Manus Labuschagne. What an exhibition it's been from David Warner. Yes, welcome back to the Toolkit Depot studio out here at Optus Stadium. We are, as always, brought to you by Isuzu Utes. You can live your own way in the powerful Isuzu D-Max. See your Isuzu Ute dealer today. Well, the Aussies are lauding it over the South Africans in the one-day series, of course, the T20s, and now the 50-over matches um, over there. And uh, another big one on the weekend. To talk about it, we have Code Sports' Daniel Cherney on the line. Daniel, welcome. So, mate, uh, Marnus Labashane, or as one of the commentators calls him, Marnus Labaskagne, uh, is making a bit of a statement. And uh, is he doing enough to force his way into the squad for the World Cup, do you think? Oh, it's a very good question. Uh, and it's one that's hard to answer because uh, it's all on to suggest that he should be in the squad. And I think there's uh, an increasingly compelling case. But... Uh, if one comes in, one's got to go out. And there's no one who deserves particularly to fall out at the moment either, So, in, in my view. Um, and part of the issue is that uh, Australia's gone in with a, with a glut of all-rounders, which is sort of the strategy they're looking towards. And there's also been this um, theory for a while, and not, un, not without some basis, that Australia probably can't play Steve Smith and Marnus Labuschagne in the same ODI team. They're just probably two similar players... Uh, they play, you know, they play that real anchor role, and uh, there's probably only room for one of them to sort of, I suppose, try to bat through the innings or, or deep in the innings and, and have other guys attack around them. Uh, but you know, Marnus has done everything right uh, over the last uh, couple of games. Admittedly, a small sample size, but when you're man of the match in consecutive games, and uh, remarkable coincidence that he came into this series as the concussion substitute for Cameron Green, having, of course, famously done so. Lords for Smith back in the 2019 Ashes, which was the so was the moment which really uh, catapulted Marnus um, into stardom, I suppose you could say. Uh, it's, uh, it makes for a very interesting situation. So 15-man squad was named last week, and Marnus wasn't even in the 18-man preliminary squad, but he's only in South Africa because Smith has a wrist injury suffered uh, during the recent Ashes series. But the expectation is that Smith should be right for the World Cup and, and will join the the squad for uh, the three matches in India. So uh, at this stage, Manus is on the outer and probably going to need someone. Uh, I suppose oh, Smith being the, um, the most obvious candidate to fall over. But uh, it'd be interesting to see, say, if Glenn Maxwell doesn't quite get up or if Mitchell Stark or, or someone who's not necessarily a like-for-like falls over, whether whether Manus is the man that they go for or whether they make an unforced change uh, ahead of the September 28th final deadline, which is... Uh, you know, it also looms large. So fascinated to see how these games are unfolding, both the T20s and the two 50-over matches. What does it say 
about the depth of Australian cricket in this form of the game at the moment and what does it say about the depth of South African cricket in this form of the game, do you think? Yeah, it's a great question as well. It's hard to know for sure uh, when you're only facing one opponent just how much it is you versus how much it's them. And uh, look, South Africa have, uh, you know, they, they are a bit of a fading force in world cricket. I, I, we have seen this before South Africa, that they are the, an incredibly resilient rigging nation over the years, and they just it doesn't... You can, they, they can look down and out for a while, and you can think, oh, are they really falling away? And clearly there's a lot of systemic issues, and the schedule is, is a problem for them. Uh, but they do tend to bounce back... Um, very, very well, but they've been pretty ordinary across the five matches thus far. Really only in one of them. Um, when you really look at it, that was that first ODI where Manus and Ashton Agar rescued Australia and led them to a three-wicket victory, albeit with uh, 10, wickets, 10, 10 overs remaining, so I suppose it was not, not close in terms of time or overs. Uh, but South Africa have been smacked around a fair bit. Their bowling hasn't really stood up. They've had only, you know... Um, in piecemeal sort of offerings from, from some of their batters, and they do look a bit shallow at the moment. But, you know, you can only play who you're up against, clearly, and Australia have done very well with a you know, very depleted side, it must be said. Uh, you know, there are, the fact they went into this second ODI with only seven members of their, even for the 15-man World Cup squad, they picked four guys um, who weren't, uh, you know, who, who aren't even in, in the squad, including Marnus. Uh, and won by 123 runs. The T20s, where they flooded uh, well, four debutants in, in the first game and, and won that series comprehensively 3-0. And it's not as though they're missing some bit part plays either. I mean, it's Pat Cummins, who, while there, you know, there is some debate as to whether he's necessarily in Australia's best ODI 11, he is still Pat Cummins and uh, an all-format star. Uh, Mitchell Stark, who's quite arguably Australia's greatest ever white ball bowler, um, You've got Glenn Maxwell, who, um, while he can be hit and is obviously an incredibly destructive player on his day, and um, Steve Smith, who, you know, don't, don't need to go into Steve Smith's reputation. So, you know, they've done very, very well uh, in the absence of several key players, and uh, there's, no, there's no one who's not really, who's not really pulling their weight at the moment. Uh, from a, you know, Maybe, you know, Alex Carey hasn't quite made an impact yet in this series, but um, other than that, They've all uh, they've all done pretty well so far, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be tough both from a squad. Well, the squad selection was uh, interesting, and in particular the eleven once we get to the World Cup, because uh, there are a lot of guys playing well. Yeah, so Josh Inglis versus Carey in the in terms of wicket keeping, um, Daniel. What what do you make of that that battle? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, Inglis has had limited opportunities, not to say that any, across all three formats. I mean, he hasn't played test cricket, clearly, but he's been around squads. Uh, and, and Kerry has had a, you know, he's done pretty well in international cricket um, thus far. He's been around for five or six years now across white ball cricket. And I think um, he's done, particularly in ODI, uh, where he's actually captain the side as well. I think one day cricket actually may be his best format because he's not a massive hitter of it, but he's a, he's a good nerdler. Uh, he's just a good sort of lower order, um, just keep the score ticking along and, and good sort of match situation batter uh, and did it uh, famously in the uh, 2019 World Cup semi-final when he, um, when he was banged up uh, and, and had to wear that sort of Rich McCosker-like bandaging and, and played a, an important innings, albeit in the losing cause at Edgebaston, I think it was. Um, but English, you know, had a, had a really... English 
I mean, when Tim Payne fell um, out of the side, obviously, on the back of the scandal in late 2021, there was a discussion that we had about whether Alex Carey or Josh Inglis took the, the test position. And because Ian Carey, I suppose, had, had always been seen as the heir apparent, or for a long time, it as the heir apparent, and had been you know, done pretty well for Australia, they thought, look, he probably deserves to go. But England is an excellent player, an excellent batter. Um, not sure whether the glove work stands necessarily. I, I mean, Kerry has been pretty good. They finished the series in the Ashes poorly, but I, I think um, you know, English. There's quite there's an argument to say English is a better player, uh, particularly in the shorter formats. But I think they will give Kerry um, the chance at least in one day cricket. English, I think now is probably in the box seat from the T20 perspective. I think they want to give him a go ahead of Matthew Wade heading to that World Cup next year. And look, he's in the squad, so and, he, and they, they are consistent picking Josh English in squads across all three formats. So he's there about. And if Kerry has um, some sort of precipitous fall, then uh, you know, they've got a very, very good option there in Josh Inglis to, uh, to replace him. I know that um, it hasn't been the greatest opposition, but the, the series have sort of continued the cricket renaissance of, um, of Mitchell Marsh, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, they have. I mean, he, uh, certainly before his uh, golden duck the other day, he had a, a very strong start to this uh, this tour as captain, uh, both at the T20 where he's the permanent captain and one day is where he's filling in for, for Pat Cummins. But, I mean, just some incredibly um, impressive and aggressive batting across those first two T20s. You know, he just really pulverised the staffing attack. And we know he can do that, clearly. And, and really, his um, his white ball form over the last three or four years has been very, very good. Uh, he showed that he's uh, obviously not a, not a spent force at test level either when he had that surprise call up midway through the ashes and made that stunning century on uh, day one at uh, at uh, Trent at uh, uh, not Trent Bridges Headingley. Headingley, yep. Um, Headingley. So he uh, he's an incredible player uh, when he's up and going, and uh, I think he's clearly in Australia's best 11 across both white ball formats and, um, you know, quite possibly in test cricket as well. So uh, where he bats exactly in the one-day team is going to be interesting. Uh, I think they're pretty better to David Warner and Travis Head at the top of the order. And, um, well, they should be because they've, you know, they've both been very good white ball players, or one-day national players over the last 12 months um, since Aaron Finch's retirement. But uh, I think Marsh can be a very dangerous player up the top of the order, but whether they like him at three or sort of a bit lower down at, uh, at four, five, six, depending on uh, where, where Smith prefers. I think Smith prefers to bat at three, but there's certainly an argument to say that Marsh at three is a pretty good option to keep the, you know, keep a, the, uh, the fire. Yeah, sorry. It's a fascinating thing what limited overs cricket does to how you think and go about it, isn't it? It's, a, it's, it's almost like... In the old days of Test cricket and some limited over cricket, you wanted Steve Smith, the best player at three, to shape the innings. Now it's kind of like you want a player like Mitchell Marsh in for as long as you can keep him in for. And if you get into trouble, then you have someone like Steve Smith who can nurtle the ball around and maybe get you to a competitive score. It's a, it's a fascinating how the, all this um, limited overs cricket has flipped the way we think about the game. It is, and I think it's probably important to recognise or, or, or appreciate is that uh, it is situational as well, and you know it depends on the pitch. You know, some pitches you look and they're, they're you know it's par three forty, whereas others it's par two forty. And one day cricket uh, over the last three or four years, 
the scoring, because there was that period, particularly when England were going, actually just ahead of the 2019 World Cup, which they won, where England were just smacking, you know, 370, 380, and sometimes many more than that, with, you know, almost as a matter of course. Uh, they made 481, I think, famously, when, they, when Australia toured the weekend side in 2018, just after the ball tampering uh, crisis and then won that series 5-0. But the scores have just, uh, just fallen off a bit. There's a bit of a theory going around that it's to do with the kookaburra balls that have got a bit more pronounced steam and they've just changed the, the nature of the game. And, and certainly the stats back this up. It's not as much of a theory. It has dropped down. The runs have dropped down sort of on average 20 or 30. Uh, still not back to sort of mid-1990s level by any stretch. Uh, and you'd want to be making close enough to 300 every game. But... Uh, the game has changed a bit, and we saw that. You know, and I think this is probably the most important thing, most impressive thing about what Marnus has done across the first two games. Two man of the match performances, but quite markedly different knocks. One where there was already a very strong platform from Warner and Head, and he just kept the, you know, maintained the rage and, and went on to make a century well, well better than a run of ball. Uh, and then the second where things were, uh, were dire, uh, they needed him to really grind it out. And he just nerdled ones and twos, I think on the eight boundaries and no sixes in his innings of 80 not out and, and got Australia to the line. So that is where you need to have players with gears. And this is one real strength of Australia's squad. They are an incredibly versatile squad because of all the all-rounders um, and, and the various seam and, and spin options uh, and then the different sort of style of batting. So um, they, can, they, they can really pick horses across the teams um, with, with minimal fuss. Yeah, it's going to be a fascinating watch to see how they shape up in that World Cup because they do have a lot of different gears, as you mentioned, and a lot of options that they can turn to. Daniel, as always, a pleasure to talk to you. Look forward to reading your stuff on Code Sports. Thanks for joining us on the show today. No worries. Stuff always great. Daniel Cherney, what do you think? You can have your say on the temper at Bedshed text line on 0487 736 736. You can call us on the open line, 13 12 55. We are, as always, brought to you by Isuzu Utes. And you can live your own way in the seven-seater Isuzu MUX. We'll take a break. Be back with more.